0: Hello and welcome to Jam Presents, a podcast series by me, Mike Groves, and a good mate of mine, Jason Cripps. In this second series of Jam Presents, we play The Murder Game, a 2003 murder mystery reality TV show from the BBC. This accompanying podcast will break down each episode of The Murder Game as Jason and I follow the journey of 10 investigators as they try to catch a killer in the fictional town of Blackwater. Each episode of The Murder Game is available on YouTube, so if you haven't already, go and watch episode 1 now. In this episode, we meet the 10 investigators as they take part in police training. Now, before we begin, in a similar fashion to our Murder in Small Town X podcast, we'd like to set your expectations for this series. Jason and I do give it quite a bit of stick, for reasons we'll explain as we go through each episode, but stick with it, we promise it'll improve over time, and that we have a really fun bonus episode coming up at the end of this series. Okay. So the murder game, episode one, and I think we ought to make it very, very clear that they called this, the murder game, training the investigators, because that is all this episode is about. Is
1: that the title of the episode
0: then? Yeah, It's not, but that is what is littered throughout every title card or every cutscene. It comes up training the investigators. It's almost like a subtext to the episode in that they're saying this isn't the murder game yet. You're not playing the game yet. So is
1: this like episode zero? Then.
0: Yeah, I in, yeah, absolutely. They introduced the ten investigators and they they trained them. Now we've been spoilt somewhat by knowing how murder in small town X worked because Andy or Andrew from Murder in Small Town X got in touch and said, we did all this training to start for the first week we spent it all together, getting to know each other and learn how to investigate crime scenes. So it makes you think they must have done it on Murder in Small Town X. And then it also makes you think they must have looked at the footage and thought,
1: this isn't good enough for an episode. They'll just hit the grain running.
0: For me, Murder in Small Town X is more of a, it's more of a cinematic experience than it is it's... about investigation. Well, I think it's something like Pat said. It was
1: something like Murder in Small Town X is more of a soap opera.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. It
1: was more like it was quite bigger than life itself. You know what I mean? It was very extravagant.
0: And yeah, and the thing is they didn't they didn't go into the oh, you need to make sure you get the fingerprints. You need to make sure you they weren't relying on itty bitty small pieces of evidence. Because otherwise you're gonna look and say, Well hang on a minute, how did that person get from there into there? It- You can pull it apart immediately, so it doesn't need to be technically accurate.
1: Merger Small Town it was all on how good the the writing was, the script was, and the characters, and that's what pushed
0: the show forward. And I don't think we ever looked at it and thought, oh, as if that would work. Well, (laughs) that's not the point. No, it was entertaining. Exactly that. So I've got that. Before we start and get into it on what our initial thoughts are of this, just remember... You can edit this all around though, can't you? Yeah, that's it. But, you know, I just want people listening to know that they didn't have to watch this show twice like I did. <laughs> because, I yeah, I would hate to put anyone through that again. Is it better the second time round? Yes, because you pick up on more. In the, I've now, So the first time watching it was very much, let's just watch it, understand what it is. And I am glad, I am so glad that we didn't try and do this as our season one. I'm so glad we've done Murder in Small Town Experts. We would have quit. It would have never happened. We happens. wouldn't have done it. We would never have created a podcast. We would never have had this conversation. It's It's
1: ridiculous. It's it's so. It's first off, it's slow paced, and I think part of that is because it is British and it's the BBC, rather than you know your fast, choppy transitions and changes that American TV stereotypically has.
0: It's it's far less dramatic, yeah, far less dramatic, and even the contestants. And you picked up on it in Murder in Small Town X, where Angel at the very start goes picture a picture a book, you're in a novel, a murder mystery novel, open the book, read a chapter, you're there. And it was so like, wow, you know, and they all had that gravitas. They all, all had that charisma or that screen yes. presence, every one of them. And, and maybe that's just because they're American. And we look at that and think, oh, it's Hollywood or whatever, but they all had that confidence factor. Whereas we've got Meryl who's like, oh no, I don't think I'm going to win, darling. <laughs> Yeah, she's so
1: I mean, we're getting into that, but she's already on the show, already (laughs) writing herself off.
0: The premise of the show, much like Murder in Small Town X, our first series that we did of the podcast, there are 10 investigators who apparently have been whittled down from 10,000 applicants. They moved to a fictional town called Blackwater, where they will work together to solve a murder, but against each other in an attempt to win £25,000. And I'm laughing at £25,000. That's ten times less. (laughs) Well, yeah, all right, conversion rate. So it might only be five and a half, seven times or something like that. But considering $250,000 three years earlier in America, I think you can tell it's BBC. (laughs) Where's my
1: my TV licence money going? To stand a chance of winning the £25,000 reward, they're going to receive an insight into murder detection that no civilian in the country has ever been given
0: episode one is set in Bishop Garth in Wakefield, which is a police training centre and I honestly felt all, all the way through the episode, and this is why it's better on a second watch, because in, it's not until the end that you realise they move out of that and they go into the real world or into a, into a fictional town. I honestly thought they were going to be living in that police quarters and that's where they were going to do their investigations from and that was tragic. That was such a sad old dilapidated place which it just felt like corporate training, didn't it? That
1: is, there, there was literally no spice there, was it? There? There's no, nothing <laughs> In no excitement at it's, all
0: it's just clinical isn't it and, and yeah. all right yeah fine for police training that is what you need for police training but for tv when you're for a game show
1: a- <laughs> this, for, for fundamentally this is it didn't really work no another another thing i've noticed I, I don't know if i mean you'll bring it up we've got a narrator
0: very much i've got there's a lot that we can dig into in the opening credits so for the first 30 seconds the contestants are being introduced and there is a voiceover guy like, please say that's not the case for every episode. I, I, oh, I hope God. it's not, but you know it's going to be. But the voiceover chap isn't credited, so I'm hoping that means it was just a one episode and done, you know? We'll see. But the other things to note from that is that where a murder is about to take place. So he says, this is happening where a murder, all these guys are training, where a murder is about to take place. And that's the best part of Murder in Small Town X, is that the very first thing you see is two people being killed
1: yeah and in murder in small Town x the murders happened like the murder was always going to happen yeah regardless if it was a game show like the murders has happened it's not a murder we're, game either it's, no we're it, bringing the investigators in to solve this murder where this murder game the murder game seems like it's all scenario you know what i mean and i think that takes it away from 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 them and that group of investigators yeah because I, it does feel, more feel like a game then that this is set up. But we'll see. I mean, that's, I mean, that's for more episodes, I suppose, because this is just a training episode.
0: Yeah, exactly. You just want them to be investigators immediately. I don't care if they're going through all this police training, I'll be honest. They could have
1: done a very clever montage somewhere.
0: Or, oh, a callback, you know, Remember, you need to go and take fingerprints from this person. Remember back to your training and they'll show some of the clips from the training or something. I, I don't know. Yeah, they wanted in, to include yeah, that. Even in the first episode being like, you know,
1: these group of investigators have been undergoing police training for the last X amount of days and then just cut some shots in because we spend a minute watching them do the bleep test. <laughs> <laughs> Most horrific thing ever.
0: It's, it's awful. But yeah, we'll go into that because it is It's awful. <laughs> let's begin with the ten contestants because the way the episode is filmed it's all spliced together you've got a bit of training then you meet contestant one and then a little bit more training contestant this is right? pure contestant so yeah. this a pure contestant the first thing to say is that it really annoys me that we know and learn so much about them i don't really care that melanie lives above a pub or that richard owns a budgie i just want to see how they handle being intimidated
1: uh, a <laughs> budgie two horses no two dogs and a horse two dogs and a
0: horse <laughs> does that add anything no what i want to know is that okay you were in the army and you take command that's that's fine you know we knew yeah, alan was in the marines and we knew yeah. alan was an, now a deli owner great
1: that's, that's all yeah so all so we need what's his name richard isn't it is it
0: richard sharrocks that's richard so we'll get oh, into, right, we'll get into the
1: people but... <laughs> we'll just start with richard we're already there we there now my
0: name's richard Sharrocks i'm 32 i'm a commercial pilot and i'm married to julie we live in northumberland with our budgie our two dogs and our two horses Richard Sharrocks yeah, 32-year-old commercial pilot.
1: 32. So he's been in the army, quite high up in the army yeah. for, for his age. And now he's a pilot with one budgie, no, wife, one budgie, two dogs, and a horse. Now, I'm 33, and I haven't achieved half of that. You've got a wife. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a wife and a dog. And one dog. <laughs> Close enough.
0: But also spends his free time running, cycling, and really enjoys marathons. Is that what life is? We're like kids. I think that's what life is 20 years ago before Xbox Live.
1: Before online gaming. Look what you can achieve with your life. That's when the internet was crap.
0: (laughs) He says, I hope people don't think that I'm the commander and they're my soldiers. But then he goes on to say, but I have got really good leadership skills. And I think I'll bring that to the tent. Like, hang on a minute.
1: Yeah, I think he also says that if someone's a rubbish leader, he will.
0: He'll intervene
1: intervene but i feel like he'll intervene anyway he's one of those
0: what i did think was of all the contestants honestly of all of the contestants people felt or looked a lot older back then than they do now like you and i are older than him there's no way that i would say that you're you're definitely younger than me mate what? I mean, maybe he's just had a hard job, and he was in the army, that's stressful, I get that, but we'll get on to others as well. S- They're ages, you just think...
1: The ages are all over the place, it's like it's been made up.
0: Yeah, you're right. So anyway, his brother thinks that his degree in maths will help him. Not not sure that that's the case, is it? Oh, welcome aboard, you got a maths degree. <laughs> yeah,
1: what What murderer just leaves clues around that are just maths equations?
0: <laughs> it's, it's the Pythagoras killer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's Fibonacci. Fibonacci. <laughs> I
0: was going to say that's the only maths word I know. but yeah. <laughs> Hola, me llamo Melanie Sains.
1: Tengo 21 años. A este momento no trabajo, pero antes bailaba gogo.
0: Along with Richard, we've got Melanie Sains. I've written more about her than anyone else. A twenty-one-year-old former exotic dancer who drives a sports car and is retired.
1: So I think the narrator says exotic dancer. I think further in the episode it says stripper Does it- or dancer or some- <laughs> I, I don't. Maybe that was just me. Maybe that was just me. I remember it changing. Let's just say that I remember it sort of. I don't know changing, but she's twenty-one. What do we know about her she lives above a pub with her boyfriend
0: yeah introduce herself in Spanish
1: yeah she got a disgusting amount of soft toys
0: <laughs> my daughter's seven years old and probably doesn't have as many soft toys as Melanie it didn't
1: I think the rate says oh she's ret- retired at 21 no uh, is that a joke I don't know is that like I don't
0: she's clearly made her money either in London or or in in Majorca dancing
1: how much money can you make into those dancing in Mallorca? <laughs> pass. Is it
0: time that we start? <laughs> Have we missed the boat? <laughs> One of the funniest parts or funniest quotes of the show. I think everyone's always been fascinated about um, murders and crime because murders and crimes is something that you, you're not allowed to do. So
1: Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic.
0: She thinks she'll be good because she can determine who the killer is in a TV show within the first two minutes and she says I reckon it's more to do with common sense than anything else. No, it's absolutely not. It's to do with evidence and clues. It's not to do with common sense.
1: Yeah, brilliant.
0: Her boyfriend Toby said that she has a methodical mind. She is organised and double-checks things. I mean, fair play. Credit to her. She wants to prove that she's not a dumb blonde dancer yeah. who isn't going to do anything with her life. So I do hope she proves me wrong. Like, I was watching the footage thinking, what is this? And credit to having her on the yeah, show. Credit to her. Because she does want to prove... Yeah. yeah
1: Brilliant. But then I don't think she helped herself with that introduction.
0: <laughs> Pulling up in a, in a sports car, introducing herself in Spanish and saying she's retired.
1: <laughs> Wasp led on a bed full of soft toys.
0: <laughs> Hi, I'm Mervin. I'm 30 years old. I live in Hackney, London, and I'm a visual merchandiser. We've got Mervin, the 30-year-old from Hackney, uh, a visual merchandiser. So he works in a shop. like A visual merchandiser is one of those. I get what he does. He d- I mean, yeah, it's just a bit of a wanky way to say that you work in menswear and you're responsible for putting the clothes in the, the point, right places. The point,
1: he's responsible for point of sales and stuff, yeah.
0: He plays squash. He's super competitive, which we find out a bit later on. Desperate to win. Hello, I'm Meryl Holt and I'm 56. I have two daughters and five grandchildren and I live in a village in Gloucestershire. Meryl Holt 56 year old with two daughters 56 no way no my mum is older than 56 and is way young like looks way younger no offence Meryl if you're listening
1: can she say she has like five granddaughters or grand yeah that's children? right
0: that's right
1: <laughs> taking a toll uh, <laughs> yeah
0: she lives in Gloucestershire big up her husband and her go out in his classic car
1: just a general observation of all these contestants were they just handing out money back in the 2000s like was the country just that much ri- like she, you know, I know she's 56 Her husband's got a, like, The massive house Classic car We've got Richard Who's now like a, a He's 32 And he flies planes He's got horses and stuff you know I mean? And we we'll, we'll get on to Nick Sykes Just buying houses for fun He seems And he's what, 12 or something I don't, Like, It didn't do anything For my ego Or my uh, self-confidence At all this show I
0: think this is This is pre-credit crunch Isn't it This is pre-housing mar- house market Falling out of its ass And everything else happening Yeah Seems it her husband suggests that she will be good at this murder game because he's slower than her at guessing who the killer is when they watch murder mysteries.
1: What what sort of like um, scale
0: is credentials? That? Yeah, she's a bingo caller and plays tennis. She also does crosswords and subscribes to tough puzzles to relax. Her husband says she is dogmatic. And did you notice that she's dogmatic with puzzles? He says, when they say the word dogmatic, it cuts to a picture of her with a dog. It's amazing. No. <laughs> No, I did not notice that. Hi, my name's Nick Sykes. I'm originally from Huddersfield in West Yorkshire. And over the last few years, I've made most of my money through property renovating. Nick Sykes, 34 years old. Budget David Bowie, I think we're going to call him. He's definitely got something cool going on with that quiff. He's into property renovation. Drives around looking for cheap houses.
1: He drives around looking for, looking for properties to buy, renovates them himself. Then he says he sells them privately, and they usually sell within the first day. What of life?
0: What else do we know about Nick? Nick has a law degree, and his brother thinks he's a good analyzer. That's all we've got, really. But fair to say, Nick is probably the strongest contestant at this point, after episode one. Hi, my name's Sarita Raval. I'm 29, from South London. I used to be a recruitment consultant. Now I'm not. Next, we've got Sharita uh, Ravel, 29, from South London. She is a former recruitment consultant. She has quit her job as a recruitment consultant mm-hmm. to go in you and see what she her to passion. Do. Exactly. Yeah. And now she works behind the scenes in theatre. And how much better of a life would that be than being a recruitment consultant? No offence to any recruitment consultants listening. But yeah, at least she's, she's chasing her dreams. Her friend suggests that she's always working out people's secrets she says it's because she's observant. She can be quite forgetful. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I think she's the one that the police say is really lazy and tired all the time.
1: I'm sure someone referenced the fact that she falls
0: asleep in, yeah, the, in it, the class. She's asleep, yeah, because she's asleep on the bus as well. Hello, I'm Sam Matthews. I'm 30 years of age and I'm a communication centre officer working with elderly and people with special needs. Samantha Matthews, Sam, she calls herself, 30 years old from Telford communication centre officer who works with elderly and people with special needs. However, at night, she runs a karaoke business. (laughs) And this really stood out. Again, fair play. You're doing something that you're really passionate about. We even get to hear Sam sing, which is quite funny. No comment on her singing ability, but the fact that they cut that in. in She's always wanted to do a murder mystery weekend. Her husband thinks she'll be a good interrogator because she questions him after going out on the piss. <laughs> Hello, I'm Christine Rose. I'm 30-something, which I'm not going to disclose. Next, we've got Christine Rose. Carol Vorderman I've got written down because she does remind me a little bit of Carol Vorderman. 30-something housewife. Doesn't want to reveal her age. She just says, I'm 30-something. 39 then? <laughs> 39.
1: Was <laughs> it one of those 30-somethings where you're actually like in your
0: 40s. She drives a van due to having eight kids and she's not ruling out having more. Her husband, Malcolm, built her an extension so she could have a 360-degree view of the neighbourhood. But then when you see her looking out of her house, it's just a skylight. She's probably only got like 120 degrees. Yeah, it's 180 at best. Yeah, very best. Apparently she's a really nosy person but thinks that's a quality. Fair enough. Hi, my name is Andrew Weaver, I live in the West Country and I'm a farmer. I have two children, Emma and Nigel, a wife called Andrea and a dog called Gizmo. Next, probably my favourite character I think, Andrew Weaver. Or Andrew Weaver, the West Country dairy farmer. I've put favourite contestant at the moment. 100%,
1: so yeah, same as mine.
0: Seems to just be a real bag of laughs, just really funny. Wants to exercise his imagination. His wife says he's, like all farmers, very snoopy. Hello, my name's Rory McNally, from County Tyrone, Northern Ireland, living in London, occupation, working on the railway lines. And then finally, we've got Rory McNally, living in London, working on the railway, originally from Northern Ireland. He's a couch potato, but a quick learner. His mate Billy thinks he can really apply himself under pressure. <laughs> Before we move on to the, what they had to do, there were two main people weren't there. The lead investigators, AKA the Gary Fredos. And I really hope, actually, that they're not the lead investigators and they are purely there for the training.
1: No charisma.
0: D.I. George Phillips and D.S. Leo Cullen.
1: When it introduces them, I think they're just shoving them maids for the sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> one way to introduce
0: them they walk into like rooms at the wrong times and stuff so like someone's actually giving a speech at one point and then yeah well this is how an Cullen is. comes through the door and he's like oh
1: up until today uh they probably only connection with the police has been through tv uh if someone's got a speeding ticket
0: so we've got D. I. george phillips who's the one that says that the closest that some of them have come to the police is through TV or a speeding ticket. And mate, this episode was an hour long. And this is, we've all, we've said like, this should be a five minute thing. If they wanted to show the training, put it at the start of one of the episodes for a few minutes, we don't need an hour on it. But there's literally a sound clip of DS Leo Cullen. The very first thing he says on camera is They are going to receive intensive training for a lot of hours each day. Oh, right. Did we need that? Like, Not at all. I mean, that's almost like they were like, right, we need to we need to make this an hour, guys. We need some more footage. The, the, the final thing to look at, I guess, is what some of the tasks that they'll be doing over the next five days of training. It all felt a little bit corporate, like a training day that you've had with work and it actually gave me shivers. I was embarrassed for them on a number of occasions. It was a hard watch. So they start off by... Interviewing each other as they arrive, they go to bed that night, and the next morning at 6 30 a.m., Leo wakes the team up and tells them they need to be downstairs by seven o'clock in their gym kit. This is to prepare them for Blackwater, as they could be woken up at any hour of the day or night to follow a lead. Hope they are. As long as all this comes back into it, that's fine. Yeah,
1: and I think what what annoyed me with that was he was like, "Oh, they were lucky that it was half past six, because sometimes when you're on call, it's like one or two or three. Well, oh, we've done them on call before." You know you're on call, so you're semi expecting that call. You know it's not like you're yeah, just they were on told, your day off
0: gonna... they, they were told you're not starting till nine o'clock tomorrow morning. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they go to the gym, do a bleep test. It gets pretty competitive. I'd be dead within minutes. No, just you know, no discredit to the bleep test. Fair play to them. I, I, it would kill me. But um Mervyn and Richard kept going for seventeen or so minutes. The next thing they do, I don't know if you want to mention any more about the bleep test, other than hope that this comes not into really. it. They also do an upper body strength test. You need to chest press thirty-four kilos, which, to be honest, I mean, yeah, it's not a lot. You're just pushing it out from your chest, and I think the fact that Merrill can do it proves that it's not a difficult challenge. But fair play to Mervin, ninety-two kilos. He wasn't giving up without a fight, was he? There, he just wanted to prove everybody wrong. That's
1: his comp- competitiveness again. Isn't it is. It?
0: But then he was so cocky afterwards. He was like, not smug, but he was trying to be like, oh, I'm surprised. No. Come on, mate. <laughs> Later that morning, they're giving paper and pens to brainstorm what good qualities investigators need. It, honestly, it, it gave me anxiety watching that because it is one of those any any corporate training day. And you've seen it on the office and you've seen it on things where it's just it's embarrassing, isn't it? Where they say, oh, give us five key qualities of being a leader. And they'll say right now we're going to spend half an hour talking about communication because everybody said communication. Fuck off. It drives me to despair, but it actually made me feel a bit ill. At
1: lunchtime, they visit the CCTV control room in Leeds, where they're told how important video footage can be in any police inquiry.
0: At lunchtime, they head to Leeds to a CCTV control room and are told how important video footage is when they were playing the murder game. And that is it. So they all left their training centre to go to a Leeds CCTV control room. And I just told how important video footage is. That's all we saw. Oh,
1: yeah, on really awful CRT screens.
0: Yeah, when they get back, they're met by a scenes of crimes officer. Yeah, where she teaches them how to fingerprint DNA, etc. How long did we spend watching them dusting a cup for fingerprints? <laughs> it was painful, wasn't it? Yeah. And I'm sure one of them paints their cup completely silver.
1: Yeah, like someone's thumb. You see someone's thumb, and it's pretty it's much silver
0: just all over.
1: Yeah. But this is what I mean. I hope it's not as finicky as this.
0: No, same. Because we didn't see one bit of that in Murder in and X. There wasn't one, one moment where they, they got this particular over evidence. This is where your favourite bit came up, or we spoke about earlier in the week. Your scene is whatever it turns out to be. Your scene can be a house. Your scene can be a room. Your scene can be a person. Your scene can be a field.
1: Oh, God. What what I think what annoys me about this training is the people doing it. Obviously, they love their job. They've been doing there. it for numerous years, but you're trying to enforce that onto people that are there, are there to the,
0: play out a Jonathan Creek episode or something. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There, they need the very basics. It's not police training. They need the very
0: basics and understanding. She, she also mentions because <laughs> this is how excited she is. Someone goes, oh, or makes like a, a, a gasp. And she's like, Yes, you're making the noises that I make every time I find one. Oh, yeah, I
1: was worried where that like, sentence would, would go really, but yeah. mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Sounds like you've got the same joy I get every time I get
1: one. They also quite excited to um investigate a setup break in that she's constructed. Yeah. We we've been and we know we've been in situations before, me and you personally. But when there's so many people trying to do the same job, and you see Richard straight away, he wants to be a leader. So he's straight to the front, which just blinds out everybody else. And you get these stronger characters coming forward because they want I don't know if it's screen time, I don't know if it's like an ego thing, but there's too many cooks straight away. And that stuff, and we'll see that later on in the episode as well.
0: And you're right, they're all doing the same thing. They're all pointing to the exact same footprint yeah. and they're all going, oh yeah, there's two.
1: Yeah, you never see that in Small Town X because it's always like, right, here's a track, you two, you two, and they all broke up, you know? It's never just like, all 10 of you, go and have a look at this. I don't know, I feel like if I was the forensic woman, I could have done that a hell of a lot better.
0: <laughs> Once that bit ends, before the end of the day, they, they get called in to discuss alibis, ethics and confidentiality. And again, they're back on the whiteboards with pens and paper and stuff. They bring into light the fact that they set up or staged an incident where a woman dropped a box of items down the stairs. The lady came down the stairs and dropped her box. Meryl, off camera, says The first thing I thought was to help her. It wasn't. If you look at Meryl, the first
1: thing she does is throw her arms in the air. Yeah, she she picks up one handful. If you watch it, keep watching. She picks up one handful and then walks off.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So the next day it turns out that they need to recall that person. The whole point was observation because they all agreed that observation was a key quality where they were doing their whiteboard work um, the day before. All of them describe the woman looking completely different plain looking from 27 years to 40 years old with different hair colour and different eyes. And that all suggests she thought it was a bloke. Yeah. Nick, budget David Bowie, absolutely smashes the task and describes plain woman 1.0 and gets it bang on. Woman 1.0 it's a bit harsh
1: but yeah I know what you mean. But that's what they
0: call her they say she's yeah. just generic looking woman she's plain yeah. is that what you're saying uh,
1: she want
0: my cup of tea Leo. bagging evidence is the next thing they do they're thrown in at the deep end and told to package items they feel the way they should be packaged it really annoyed me this it really really annoyed <laughs> me because it's another one of those right we're not going to tell you anything you just go off and do it and then we're just going to a laughing. Yeah. Um, yeah we're going to make a laughing stock of you what, what is that all about? The next session is the best session back in the gym learning how to fight people and apparently they, they shouldn't shy away from physical contact if it's required. Yeah. I really hope this is,
1: this is a bit of a game changer isn't it?
0: Yeah and, and Sam takes it a bit too literally where she punches one of them in the face fairly early on. She's punching the pads and then suddenly hits him right square well, I think, in the um
1: obviously they, they start using those, those sort of um, sticks, know, those coshes, but then it's later said that they're going to take them off them. <laughs> so yeah, so, so
0: Chris, Christine gets carried away and starts smashing that dude around the face, and then the voiceover guy says, yeah, we've now decided to take the batons off them. I love it that some of them try to use words to talk to them, and one oh, of them oh, says, gosh. hello, what are you doing here? And the guy in the suit goes, I just burgled a house.
1: Did you say that? What well, about um? I think it's, it's Andrew. Andrew what is, is the th-
0: greatest, greatest he says, thing. He says,
1: "Oh, he's not saying like he's a mates and he's down the
0: pub and he's you like Leeds, Leeds United." People. Uh, no, you were know, League United because I got four tickets for Saturday. You and whoever you want to take me and whoever you want to take. I got a place we can go after. I got a bloke who knows a restaurant. He got a few beers we can have. We can have a hell of a night. And your old man, tell him to come round Sunday, see our old dad. They haven't seen one that their fears. They get on champion, mate. But he doesn't use violence. Eventually, the guy submits. He's like, Yeah, all right. <laughs> so the person that dropped the stuff, EFIT lady, generic. Human 1.0 talks about witness statements, asking leading questions, and this is where we see that 80% of communication is non-verbal. She weirdly pulls out a monkey and says that her mum always buys a monkey, and that's quite cute. That's quite nice, you know. a mum obviously buys a monkey things, probably one of those that she once said that she likes monkeys, and then ends up she with hundreds seven. of the, yeah, yeah, ends up with hundreds of the bloody things. <laughs> but they use a monkey to put to pull uh, an emotion out of a hat, and then Andrew has to act out
1: non-verbally. That. He, oh. has act, he has to act out the emotion non-verbally. It is so the, good. The, the fact that been obviously talking about this for 10, 15 minutes minimum at this point, <laughs> non-verbally, Andrew.
0: What does and he the, do? And the first thing he <laughs> says, six numbers. Wow, wow, wow. Six numbers. Wow, wow, wow. Am I going to spend some money? Yes, yes, I got it. All these years, lottery. Wow. Oh, that, man, is man, man. Man. that is a very much telling point of the time as well is that if someone sort of said act excited non-verbally now forget Mm. that it's non-verbal like you know uh, the the emotion was excitement forget that he was not non-verbal it was was hilarious the fact that the lottery was the thing that he went to is a sign of the times back in those late 90s early 2000s early days the lottery was massive everybody was playing it and it, it was if a someone bit, said, "What's the most event, exciting?" Yeah, certainly, and the most exciting thing of the time, winning the lottery. I don't even think of that anymore. Like I would love to. No, but I'm don't sure. Play it,
1: but- I'm sure. I mean, this might be my memory let me down. I'm sure that on different Saturday nights or something, that that show was like half an hour long.
0: Longer. They used to have a quiz at, at the start of the lottery, and they do different draws. Well, they had draws like, at SPM, have a singer
1: on there or something. Yeah,
0: right? and they'd have a different celebrity pressing the button to release the big money balls.
1: The big balls. The, but now it's like. Just look on your phone. Just look on your phone. What's yeah. the numbers? Have I won? No.
0: Worst bit of it all family liaison. All right, guys. What do you know about family liaison? And Meryl says, I think it's the liaison between family and the police. All right.
1: He's a great investigator. Yeah. She's going to be absolutely great.
0: Yeah, I think she will. Next, we see them interviewing a family member who is still a suspect. One of the hardest jobs in the force, they suggest. And yeah, genuinely, like it must be If, if you've lost a loved one, not only have you lost a loved one, but then you might also be under investigation yourself. Oh, my God. But I guess it must make it a lot easier knowing they're actors. But this all comes down to how effective the acting is and how effective the writing is. We know from our chat with Pat from Murder in Small Town X that they were... Pretty convincing, and they wouldn't do more than one take. So, evidently, it might be that they're actually living in the moment and they're not thinking about how, they're not thinking in the back of their mind, oh, this is just an actor, I can say what I want. Perhaps they'll take it a bit more seriously. For their hard work uh, over the last few days, they head to the firing range. This would make a better show, to be honest, if they're allowed to carry guns around Blackwater. (laughs) The training sim, I've put, yeah, the the worst thing ever, high tech or what. Merrill shoots. The electrician in haste, which is just a, amazing. Some of them shoot too early and um, Mel manages to shoot them both at the same time. Before the final investigation scenario, they talk about each other in short clips. You know, some are giving praise to others. They're talking to the inspectors or the trainers and saying, look, these are the people that we think are doing really well. One of the trainers suggests that Nick could be in the force right now. Meryl just comments on how good looking he is. So I've labeled her Mucky Meryl. She comments on how good looking Nick is. Rory says, I was impressed when you told me Sam was a housewife because she seems pretty intelligent. There's stuff that you shouldn't be saying in 2004.
1: No, no, that's just stereotyping.
0: Then we're introduced to HQ and they say, you know, in a few days or tomorrow, they'll be heading to Blackwater. And oh, man, this music to my. And again, watching a second time, you think, yeah, because you've got that. It's coming you've got that big house that they're gonna be moving into. So hopefully it does move into a more of a murder in small town X type game rather than what we've been through so far. The final investigation scenario is the fake crime scene described as an orgy of evidence Uh, as there are loads of items that the investigators can find. They're given a brief and told to get there immediately and they're useless. And again, I know there's a lot of them and all that but nobody takes the lead. They have forgotten all of their kit. One, two, three, four, five, five people without suits
1: we brought them from the classroom get suited up people is it again no one takes the lead but in a situation like that i feel like someone needs to be dedicated uh, a
0: point um, a lead investigator a point, yeah appoint a appointed
1: yeah. lead like you say i know we always complain about the lifeguard situation but if they said richard can you lead head this up yeah or discuss amongst yourselves for 5 minutes Some, choose a leader as a group you know what I mean? Also, I think it's very leading the fact that when you see them, I'm sure they're already in the crime scene when they get told, but then they get told off. They basically say, oh, you should have your kit on. You should have, where's the cordon? It's like, hang on, you just led us into the crime scene and then told us the task. Yeah.
0: It's not like they, I mean. they
1: said they, they did it in the classroom and said, right. From now, you've got this as a crime scene. I I think they were set up to. Fail. They were there to, yeah.
0: They were there to trip them up. Absolutely. Christine took her role very seriously outside the cordon, asking everybody for their uh, ID. Oh yeah, and um, what's the
1: young guy called? He's obviously like in his pocket under the suit. Rory, and he's Rory. having to unzip
0: to try and get it. And you
1: can tell that he's just so annoyed with it. It's obviously me.
0: All we all we see really in that in that scene is is that they you know there's a lot of things to, to go and find and analyse and bag and just put all the things that they've learned over the last few days to the test. And at the end of it all, I mean there's not really much to discuss on that but at the end of it all they get their certificates, their bomber jackets and their ID cards. Oh my God. <laughs> bomber jackets are just generic sizes don't fit properly yeah, and again size of the time there's that black one with the orange lining inside that you could pick yeah. up off any market back in the 90s
1: some print laminated special investigator
0: cards some of them are confident in the clips at the end Meryl and Sharita are pretty hard on themselves and don't fancy their chances It ends with them on a bus to HQ, and this is great. This is a little moment of magic, because the voiceover says, Little do they know, in a matter of moments, the murder game will be underway. Now, from what we know from speaking to Andrew from Murder in Small Town X, we know that they did all this training, and then they were on the bus to the town, and they get pulled over by the police chief, who says there's a murder, you've got to come and investigate. The fact that they said they show the bus leaving the training centre going towards the HQ. Hopefully, that means that the next episode, it literally kicks off exactly the same as Murder in Small Town X. They they get pulled over on the way in. Yeah. And I feel a lot more confident knowing what we know now. After that first watch, we didn't have any intel from Andy, and we just watched it thinking this is the worst program in the world. Actually, yeah, decision
1: knowing... is from the same.
0: Well, three years later, from the same producers and everything else, they bought the rights to it, so the setup should be the same. It, it knocked me off my feet looking at it, thinking this is absolutely not the same. It's completely different, but. Now knowing that sentence at the end, little do they know that in in a matter of moments, uh, the murder game will be underway. That is where it all comes together. And I cannot wait to watch the real episode one. Yeah. If you've made it this far, thanks for listening. We'll be back next time as the murder game begins in Blackwater. Come and tell us what you think on Twitter and Instagram. We're at Presents Jam. And if you're anything like us, You'd have been a bit upset that we didn't play the full version of the National Lottery theme earlier on. So here it is, in all its glory.